Hello and welcome to PFF Wire. I am Doug Kide, joined by Brad Spielberger. Brad, new name, new show. How are you doing here? I'm doing great. I'm in lovely Cincinnati, about to be at headquarters, plus my Commodores won 63 to 10 against Hawaii this weekend, so I'm riding high. There we go. And some good news for you guys. Uh, we will have a podcast feed out soon for this. We didn't want to stop the show right before the season got on, uh, you know, waiting for that podcast feed to refresh and all that stuff. So this will be soon coming out in podcast form. But for now, you have to look at us on YouTube. Let's get into the biggest news of the week and of the weekend. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the Brian Robinson situation. Obviously, really scary situation. Uh, he was shot twice in an apparent carjacking attempt. Uh, it does seem like he's going to recover just fine. Uh, Washington Commanders head coach Ron Rivera visited him, said that he's optimistic about his recovery and his return this season. Uh, Brian Robinson even posted on Instagram that his surgery today went well. But, Brad, really scary situation out there in Washington. Yeah, obviously a super scary situation. First and foremost, we're worried about the person, the individual, and you know, a rookie that had really taken strides and had started, you know, eyes turning in camp and had made a name for himself as a potential big time player in this backfield. Hopefully he is okay and can get healthy um, in a non-football sense. But yeah, great to hear that Ron Rivera thinks he should be able to get back on the field when he does return. That could be a truly underrated trio with him, Antonio Gibson, and JD McKissick as they pass catching back. They could they could make some noise with that. With that trio on the backfield. Yeah, Brian Robinson had 14 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown this preseason. Also caught two passes for 15 yards. And, you know, you feel bad for him from obviously from an off-field standpoint. He was shot, I believe, in the hip and the leg. Obviously, very good news that he's going to, he's expected to make a full recovery and return to the field and everything like that. We also feel for him from an on-field standpoint, because like you said, it seemed like he was having a promising summer there for the Washington Commanders. There's even some rumors that he could overtake Antonio Gibson as that lead back there in Washington. So all of that will have to wait. Obviously, want to get him healthy before he can get back on the field. But like you said, if he can return this season, then yeah, he adds a little bit more juice to that Washington backfield. Yeah, and they need it, right? I mean, they have a good offensive line. You have Carson Wentz there that needs some help and needs the ability to lean on his run game at times. And we saw it in Indianapolis last year when they got hot and went on their winning streak. It's because Carson Wentz was throwing the ball, you know, 15, 20, 25 times a game. And if, if they're able to do that, if their defense can take some strides and play better than they did last year, more like they did when they made the playoffs two years ago, then yeah, that running game could be a huge factor. And he is, you know, originally coming in, he was kind of viewed as that short yardage, maybe more of the early down back that could bleed out games and, and help you burn clock in the second half if you have a lead. So hopefully he's healthy, he returns, and he could have a big piece in them winning some games late this season. All right, we've got two more pieces of news here. We won't try to trick you guys. We are recording this later. After the news broke, let's get to Jimmy Garoppolo first. Probably the most shocking outcome of this entire saga. Jimmy Garoppolo staying in San Francisco for one more year. Uh, Brad, tell us about the financials of this, of the 49ers electing to keep Jimmy Garoppolo rather than cutting him or trading him at this point. 
Yeah, so they dropped his $24.2 million non-guaranteed salary all the way down to it looks like $6.5 million it is guaranteed. And the number is kind of determined by he had a $7.5 million injury guarantee. I'm sure they worked off that number. And then there are $10 million in incentives if he does end up starting. I'm sure they hope he does not start a single game. I think it's very interesting here with Trey Lance if he does start the season a little bit slowly and you start to hear the murmurs of where is Jimmy G. But this to me is the... Don't go play for the Seattle Seahawks contract. I mean, I think this is, they were not going to take nothing. If someone traded significant compensation, they would have taken it. Obviously, no one stepped up and they figured, all right, well, we're not going to give them up for free. So we'll find a way to keep them around. Yeah, this is, it's really bizarre. Jimmy Garoppolo has not practiced with the 49ers at all this summer. He's been throwing off in like a backside field away from the rest of the team. And yeah, just that, that aspect of, what happens now if Trey Lance falters at the beginning of the season or really at any point during the season? Now you've got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's taking the 49ers to a Super Bowl, an NFC championship game, back to kind of breathing down his neck. And I don't know, It's this is putting, I think, a lot of pressure on Trey Lance to not only succeed the season, but succeed right away. I'm not sure if this is necessarily how the 49ers wanted this all to work out. It's It's really fascinating stuff. Maybe it's still, you still think about a trade, right? Maybe if something happens with an injury from now to week one or during the early part of the season before the trade deadline. So his, his contract obviously is much more, you know, trade forable. That, that's a new expression I just made <laughs> up. Um, and, and, you know, that uh, speaking of the trades, you know, that woman yeah. who's been making a new uh, a drawing of Jimmy G every day until he gets traded. I think she can retire. He didn't get traded yet, but I think she, you know, she's about 200 days into that, that saga. I think she she can, she can call it quits. And it, it does reportedly have that no trade clause. That means that, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that they would necessarily trade Jimmy Garoppolo to a team that doesn't need a starter. Not sure if Jimmy Garoppolo would turn down a trade to a team that he where he wouldn't be a starter. But that complicates things maybe a tiny bit in certain situations. Definitely still possible that they could trade him if the right offer comes out. Um, and it, because it would probably behoove him to accept the trade if he is going to be the starter because he could make those incentives. But just another wrinkle in this deal that makes it a little bit more interesting. And yeah, I mean, the 49ers didn't really have an ideal backup behind Trey Lance. I'm not sure if that ideal backup is the guy who's taking them to a Super Bowl and an NFC championship game, but I don't know. This just really caught me by surprise. This was a pretty big shocker. Uh, the other piece of news that we're adding on to this that wasn't quite as shocking, Jaguars trading wide receiver LaVisca Chenault to the Carolina Panthers for undisclosed draft compensation. This likely means that it's for a late round pick, some sort of pick swap. But Panthers had been digging around for wide receivers. I'd reported that in the past. LaVisca Chenault Pretty good option to add now at the end of camp. We'll see how fast he can get acclimated. Uh, but good for Chanel, good for the Panthers, maybe not so great for the Jaguars uh, to have to give up a former, what was he, first or second round pick? Second round pick. Second round pick uh, for what likely will uh, account for uh, a you know low draft compensation here. Yeah, he has two years and about $3 million in compensation left. He had a really poor season last year. Was It was our 80th out of 94 qualifying wide receivers in terms of gray with a 63.7. Had over 100 targets and just could not be productive. I think the interesting thing here is what it says about Terrace Marshall, the Carolina Panthers 2021 second round pick. Another yeah. bust, it seems so far, you know, in, in the early second round as a wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, and I also think it shows, look, Christian Kirk was playing on the outside early in his Arizona career 
career. His shift inside to the slot last year is why the Jacksonville Jaguars gave him an $18 million per year contract, and that just kind of made Chenault expendable. I also wouldn't be surprised if Carolina, they have McCaffrey, they have Chuba Hubbard. It gets a little thin after that. I wouldn't be surprised if Chenault was getting some carries as well. Yeah, definitely interesting ways to work him into the offense. And yeah, I mean, I would say that Overall on that Panthers roster, you know, Terrace Marshall, he has not been able to stay healthy. Shai Smith was coming on as a slot option, but I think you probably prefer him to be like a, a fourth or fifth wide receiver in your offense. Shard Higgins was involved in, as well. But then there's also, I don't know if this would impact this at all, but I mean, Robbie Anderson's kind of had an interesting offseason where he's dealt with some injuries this summer. Uh, you know, before the Panthers traded for Baker Mayfield, what was it, a quote tweet or something that he, he I forgot exactly what that tweet was, but then there was also retirement rumors with Robbie Anderson as well. I think Joe Person of the Carolina uh, on the Panthers beat said that Higgins could even be competing for number two wide receiver snaps over Robbie Anderson. So not sure how this affects all of that, but there could certainly be some dominoes with this deal as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it is a position in flux there. Obviously, DJ Moore is their, their alpha number one, but beyond him, it seems like anything is possible with Robbie now, Robbie IE, as opposed to Robbie with a Y, Anderson, uh, just another piece of his offseason. Yeah, look, it's going to, like you said, it's going to be a buy-low opportunity. I would imagine, like you said, a late-round pick, maybe even a, you know, Chenault and a seventh for a sixth type thing for a former second-round pick that is, at this point, more of a gadget guy, but I think Carolina did need some more depth in weapons. We're not saying he's going to come in and and drastically you know dramatically improve their situation but you could do worse i think for a cheap trade than a lavisca chanel absolutely so panthers gets more wide receiver help there is going to be plenty more crazy moves coming over the next 24 hours uh one other piece of news the dolphins kind of surprisingly released sony michelle so some of those other backs in the miami backfield maybe miles gaskin salvan ahmed those guys could wind up being safe after they did release sony michelle but we will be back with you guys again this week for more pff wire it is cut down time around the NFL. Some of those cuts have already kind of started to happen a little bit today. Teams have kind of trimmed their roster down to 73 players before tomorrow's cut down, which is down to 53 players. Every single team has to trim their roster from 80 down to 53. So before all of that happens, we want to go through some potential surprise cuts or trades that we could be anticipating around the NFL in the next 24 hours or so. Brad, I've got a few different choices to, to mention, so I'll, I'll let you lead this off first. Who's one guy that you're kind of looking at who could be surprisingly off the roster in the next 24 hours or so? Well, I hope I'm not stealing this from you because you already reported on him. Uh, so maybe I am, but I, I wanted Go to ahead. kind of just highlight the situation with Alex Leatherwood and just how incredible it would be if he does get cut this season. He is a first round pick, a top 20 pick from last year had a fully guaranteed contract has over 6 million guarantees remaining that the Raiders would have to to pay regardless if they cut him unless someone picked him up on waivers they would owe him that entire remaining guarantee so i understand he has struggled could not make it at right tackle now kicks inside the guard did not look good in their last preseason game but they've had injuries there brandon parker was placed on ir now after the season it's not a good offensive line you know it'd be different if they were known as a great offensive line and he couldn't hack it 
It's not. It's one of the worst units, I think, in the entire NFL. And they are still, apparently, according to Ian Rapport today, confirming your report, it is certainly possible they could cut him. A trade is certainly more likely. But if he is cut, I just want to say again, yes, it is a sunk cost analysis to a degree. I get that. But for a top 20 pick, and I don't care that it's a new regime, to cut a player that is a top 20 pick, yes, it was a reach according to the consensus big board, but still take on all that money and just another awful first Raiders first round pick. It's crazy to think how, how good they could be if they actually hit on one of their first round picks in the last five or so years. Yeah, obviously that new regime is hoping that they have a lot more luck early on in the draft. Uh, won't be picking early because of the Devontae Adams trade. But yeah, that Leatherwood situation. So if they if they cut him, like you said, he's still got about $6 million guaranteed left on his contract. Is there offset language there involved or would they just have to take on the, the full brunt of that $6 million? In a rookie deal, there would be, presumably. So if he cleared waivers, then a team would just sign him to a new contract, but there would be offset on some of those guarantees there. But still, at that point, you would imagine he maybe signs for a minimum contract. If teams determine he is so bad already one year later that he's not even worth putting in a waiver claim, where, again, if folks don't know, the signing bonus on these on these rookie picks, these early guys, is more compensation sometimes than the entire remainder of the deal. So the, over 50% of his deals already been paid. You get three, maybe four years with a fifth-year option of control on a player out of, out, of, out of Alabama, a good young tackle there. Obviously, things have not gone well. Maybe there are other issues going on behind the scenes, but it is just a crazy situation if he does ultimately get cut yeah and i feel like in this situation there has to be something else going on behind the scenes leatherwood was pretty bad at, at tackle last season i think his his bff grade at tackle was somewhere around a 30 he did move to guard pretty early on in the season pff grade did not improve that much it actually almost doubled up to about a 50 but still that's not what you're looking for out of a starting guard in the nfl and as you mentioned i mean the raiders were playing four-fifths of their projected starting offensive line in their week three matchup against the, the Patriots, despite the fact that no other starters were on the field. And I think that that's because they're still unsettled about who was going to start basically anywhere other than left tackle where you've got Colton Miller, and he was the one guy who wasn't playing in that game. So the fact that all of those roles still appear to be up for grabs and you still can't find anywhere for Alex Leatherwood, not a great sign. Certainly possible that the Raiders could pull off a trade there, but then the team acquiring Alex Leatherwood would take on that three-year, $6 million fully guaranteed contract. So then they would be in a similar situation to what the Raiders are in right now, where, yeah, they could trade for him, see how it goes, but then if they release him, then they would have to take on that fully guaranteed deal. So not the greatest situation for a team potentially acquiring him. Uh, but, you know, if it does work out, then they would at least get that fifth year option on his contract since he was a first round pick. We'll see what winds up happening there. But he's a guy who's falling down the depth chart on a team that does not have a lot of offensive line depth. One potential good news, piece of good news for the Raiders there is that I was talking to a source last week who said that the offensive line scarcity around the NFL is real. So there could absolutely be a team that convinces themselves that Alex Leatherwood could still live up to that first round billing and pull off a trade uh, for him looking for either a starter or a backup, just some sort of uh, you know projection piece to put in their offense. In their offense. But uh, speaking of offense, I want to mention Bills tight end OJ Howard. Uh, he was another guy who was a 
identified uh, by a couple of league sources as someone who could potentially be a trade or cut candidate out of Buffalo. It's an interesting situation. Obviously, they've got Dawson Knox there as their starter at tight end. Um, they've got Tommy Sweeney, who's had a pretty impressive summer. Then they've also got Quinton Morris, who I was told was one of the most improved players on the Bills roster this summer. The complicating factor here now, though, is that Quinton Morris actually got hurt during Monday's practice. So that could actually open the door for OJ Howard to still wind up making that team. Maybe they keep three, maybe they keep four. Not quite sure what's going to happen there. But OJ Howard, that signing did not, does not seem at this point to have worked out as well as some people might have projected it to have. Yeah, and I think, you know, it could be in part a financial move. The Bills obviously have spent a lot of money extending Stephon Diggs when a lot of other teams with pricey quarterbacks went ahead and traded those players. You know, he one year, $3.5 million with some incentives. Maybe they don't think he's worth that. You know, maybe he is better than some other tight ends on the roster, but they need savings wherever they can get them. They obviously traded away Cody Ford, their recent second-round pick. They've been making moves and continuing to turn over this roster, try to build out depth. Maybe he's just not worth that extra price tag. Uh, one other guy I just wanted to throw out there and I don't this isn't I don't want to be like aggregated on this I don't think that this is necessarily a report I was talking to someone today who just mentioned the possibility that the Saints have a lack of cap space and maybe they wouldn't mind trading away C.J. Gardner-Johnson to, to open up a little bit more cap space. Uh, he's an interesting player, uh, very good slot cornerback, safety kind of hybrid. And he's a guy that our buddy Nick Underhill of uh, New Orleans Stuff Football reported earlier this summer that he was actually sitting out of some of the contact portions of practice because he wanted a new deal. So, you know, it could be kind of something that might work out in both, uh, you know, parties' favors if he was traded, wound up extending himself with a different team. Just something to kind of monitor. I don't think it winds up happening. I don't think that he's necessarily a trade candidate, but there is at least one person around the league who just kind of tosses it out there. Uh, let's talk about another potential down the line, maybe trade candidate, and that's Las Vegas Raiders tight end Darren Waller. He's definitely going through a, an interesting situation right now where he left his agency. Uh, he's going to be signing with a new agency, but he's also in contract talks with the Las Vegas Raiders because he's one of the most underpaid players around the NFL. Uh, Josina Anderson of CBS said that they're at least talking about a deal that would make him the highest paid tight end in the league by a per year uh, factor. Brad, what do you know about this situation? Yeah, so I think I've tried to hint at it uh, a lot the, the past couple months. I mean, th th there is some turmoil there, and at least for now, it seems like Waller is taking that out on his representation. It feels that the holdup may be on his side of the table. That may turn. I think at a certain point, if we are approaching week one and he still does not have a new deal done on top of his two years, only $14 million total with $0 guaranteed, I think a trade request is possible. I've talked to some sources who said they, they, could, they could foresee that without a new contract. Um, but with this new representation i think they will try to push very hard to get a new deal done i think the other big factor yes it sounds like they've discussed the parameters of making him the highest paid tight end on a new money per year average basis Josina anderson mentioned 16 million per year which would top george kittle the thing working against him is in his own division with the kansas city chiefs 
Travis Kelsey, the current second highest paid tight end, he is signed for about $14.3 million per year, but it is an extremely backloaded deal that is extremely team-friendly. He was also in his early 30s when he signed it. And you have to imagine the Raiders in the same division, all due respect to Darren Waller, who's a phenomenal player, he's not Travis Kelsey, are probably saying, why would we do so much better than Travis Kelsey? Yeah, we can top him by a little bit, but why would we not take some of those things and also incorporate them? So Kelsey had his deal tweaked a little bit this year. The Chiefs pulled a million dollars in salary forward from 2023. They added some per game roster bonuses. But I think with Waller, the issue is the overall value may be there, but there's probably incentives involved. There probably is backloading for when he's going to be 33, 34, 35 years old. Can they cross that bridge? Can they find common ground, get him the upfront money that he wants and keep him around? We're going to find out, I think, in the next two weeks. Yeah, definitely an interesting situation because Tight ends are underpaid. We've talked about that a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to pay him more than the guy within your division who's a better player. Hard to pay him more than George Kittle. At some point, one of these tight end deals is going to have to break through. And, you know, they are such a bargain that the Raiders, I mean, signing Darren Waller to a deal that would be worth $16 million, you know, take position out of it. I think that's a good deal. It's a bargain if you're comparing him to some of the wide receivers around the NFL. But yeah, it's a difficult thing to pay him more than some of the guys around the NFL who are still considered better tight ends. So we'll see how that all works out. Maybe that agent change will reopen talks with the Raiders, get them to acquiesce a little bit, but uh, we'll see how that all goes. The NFL finally released its top 100 list, the top 20 of the top 100 list. I think it was last night. It's funny how that show used to be such a massive deal. I remember when I worked at, at Nesson covering the Patriots, I, I was playing like softball one day and tweeting about some Patriots player who made the top 100. Now they just kind of like spit the whole list out, but uh, there were definitely some huge snubs on this list. Uh, Brad, who was your top snub from the top 100 list? Yeah, I think it always makes me feel good. This is voted on by fellow players. And look, we get a lot of flack. Some of it deserved. I'll admit that. Some of it probably not. For some of these names we're about to mention to not be on the NFL top 100 list, hey, you know, PFF makes some mistakes, but these are some crazy omissions. So yeah. um, first and foremost for me, I mean, DK Metcalf just became one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL, surpassed all the guys even in his own class, Debo Samuel. Um, you know, it was 22nd on the list last year uh, and did not make the list. So I found that one partic- well, particularly crazy. Yeah, that one was was pretty wild. It, it, there was there's a lot of wide receivers snubbed this year. DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown was snubbed on this list. Terry McLaurin was snubbed on this list. And uh, one that I want to mention as well was Falcons cornerback AJ Terrell. At least with Terrell, kind of a one year wonder last year. You might want to see if he can continue to prove it in 2022. But I mean, guys like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin, they've been doing it for three years now as, you know, some of the top wide receivers in the NFL. So uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty in- inexcusable to get those guys off the list, but I will say that when I was covering the Patriots, this was a few years ago, I watched a player fill out his little card that they hand out to all the players for the top 100 list. I think he put like, like a few guys around the NFL who are really good at his position and then filled out the rest with his position group within his team. So I like, I'd love to know how these are even formulated once these guys get all the cards. Cause like, like you might see like James Ferentz listed on, on some list. You might see like, some, there. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, James Ferentz. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think that there's gotta be some tweaking to these lists 
that the NFL even makes, because if they just simply compiled everyone that people submitted, it would be a way wonkier list than I think the one that, that we even see right now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's always fun to, uh, nitpick on that list uh let's talk about the preseason preseason's over now we've had had the third and final games this weekend so i'll kick this to you again who was your absolutely top number one most notable preseason standout from this summer so i have one on offense and one on defense so i'll start with the offense this is a young rookie and eric ezukanma the wide receiver for the miami dolphins i may have mentioned him before actually put out a video of him on tiktok you know the shameless plug there but he, he continued to make plays week in and week out and he showed a lot of different skill sets he can catch the ball you know behind the line of scrimmage make guys miss in the open field he had a downfield catch where he had one arm kind of held by a corner still holding in with one arm um he he, he is the reason why preston williams Lynn Bowden Jr. in Miami are, are potential cut candidates, potential trade candidates, because he's been so good so early as a fourth round pick. And then I'll throw a shout out to Austin Calitro, the linebacker for the New York Giants. Guy who's bounced around the league a bunch. I want to say he's been Seattle, Chicago, Cleveland. Um, I actually was at the game yesterday for the Jets versus Giants. He had a pick six on Joe Flacco. And then the very next possession had a monster of a tackle for loss, just blew through the offensive line. So really good player was our highest graded off ball linebacker in the preseason. You know, I've maybe earned himself a spot. Blake Martinez still getting healthy for that Giants team. Not a great linebacker group there may have earned his way onto that roster and stuck. I wanted to ask you, why were you at that preseason game? Hey, uh, well, I guess shout out uh, the doctors at, at, at uh, Long Island Jewish Institution in uh, Queens, New York for the extra tickets. I, I thank you. Nice, nice. Just attending a casual New York football game as a, as a fan. I like that. I like that. That's that's yeah. diehard football love right there. Uh, my guy, I'm glad that you made I made you say, Eric, as you Kanma's name because I still can't totally pronounce that correctly on, on first go. I'm going to go with Isaiah Likely, the Baltimore Ravens tight end. Everett Mast product, went to Coastal Carolina. And it's interesting when you look at Isaiah Likely and Eric Ezukama, two bigger targets who didn't test very well coming out of college. Eric Ezukama, I think, was like a 4-5 guy coming out of Texas Tech. Big target, but not an overall speedster. And Isaiah Likely his his combine workout, I think, or his pro day workout, I forgot exactly what it was, kind of tanked his draft stock a little bit because he was a huge big play threat at Coastal Carolina. Obviously, the competition level might not have been there like it was for other players, uh, but he had some some really high hopes coming out of Coastal Carolina, and those were, were kind of dashed a little bit when he tested. I think he wound up going in the fifth round, uh, but he had 12 catches on 12 targets for 144 yards. The Ravens are talking about him like he actually might you know play significant snaps this season, which, you know, making your way into that Ravens tight end group is not an easy feat, but he had such a good preseason that those testing numbers really didn't seem to matter. And it seems like he's a guy who might not be able to run that well without pads on, but he can keep that speed when the pads come on, which is interesting because he's not even really a a bigger tight end, uh, but certainly can make some plays out there on the field. And one other guy, Houston Texans, another rookie running back, Damian Pierce, uh, very curious to see how those snaps go for Texans running backs early in the season, but they kind of protected him like he's going to be the starter this year. Uh, he's dealing with Marlon Mack in that group as well, Rex Burkhead. So not exactly the fiercest competition, but if you're 
if you're looking for that potential home run hit, I know the Texans offense isn't expected to be that good, but Damian Pierce is a, is a fantasy darling right now who you might be able to get a, a starting running back a little bit lower than, than you would other guys uh, based on that situation. But they certainly seem to be protecting him. Uh, interesting note from this weekend. You said it, college football is back. There's a game in Ireland between Nebraska and Northwestern where I think the internet went down and there was massive lines for beer and food because it was all free. I, my question to you about this is how long would you be willing to wait in line at a football game? If, if food and beer were free. Here's the thing, Doug, if the game was in my local city, I would probably wait a pretty darn long time. If I flew to Ireland to go to this game and I'm not watching the, the, the product, look, I'm all for free beer. I'm a, I'm a free, free beer proponent, 24-7, 365. But, yeah, I think if I traveled that far, I would probably want to watch the game. Hilarious scenario. Another shout-out to, I, I guess, Vandy did the same thing in Hawaii. They also ran out of beer. So college football is not ready for what's to come this season. I think COVID's over. The people are ready to watch some football and apparently consume a lot of barley pops. Yeah, I think I'd wait it out as long as possible. Like, wait for those. I guess then you're at fear of, yeah, them running out of beer or food at that point. But I don't know. Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't think I'd be willing to wait in this, like, massive line and miss the thing that I was going there for uh, just to get some free beer or food. But clearly lots of fans in Ireland were willing to do that. That will do it for today's edition of PFF Wire. Follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Throw me a follow at Doug Kide. Like I said, keep your eye out. There will be a podcast feed coming out soon. We will be doing the show every Monday and Wednesday. We'll see about adding more days in the mix as well, maybe during the season uh, when there is a little bit more news. But also... Keep it on PFF.com for all of your news and analysis. PFF Plus, only $79.99 annually right now. That is way down from our previous price point. So now is definitely the time to buy. And then also, very exciting news, breaking news, PFF has an app now. I know that friends of mine were even asking, like, yeah, I want to get a PFF account, but when are you guys going to get an app? The answer is right now. So go to the, your, your Apple App Store, download the PFF app. It's fantastic. We've worked extremely hard on it. So make sure to do that and join us again on Wednesday afternoon.